Go please to two scriptures, Romans 8 and 1 Corinthians 8. Romans 8, 28. He said, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Now, I believe this is what our, our fifth or so message in this series. So if you haven't been with us, please go back and get the previous ones. Quickest, easiest way is go online and download them. You can watch video, audio. If you want a hard copy, you can get it in the building and won't cost you anything. But uh, how many that have been with us, would you encourage them? It'd be worth their time to go back and get it. And All right. It's, I'm telling you, it's, uh, I don't believe it's just something I thought up. It is the Lord gave it to us. But one of the things that we've looked at, and the Lord's quickened to us, many people quote part of this verse, and they have wrong ideas. They say, well, you know, the scripture, the Bible says everything works out for the good. You ever heard anybody quote it that way? And just, well, you know, everything's, we don't understand it all, but we know that everything works out for the good. Well, when you say it like that, that's just not true. Everything is not working out for the good of everybody. Amen. And it's not going to work out for everybody's best and good. Amen. He was talking about a very specific group yes. here. Who is God causing things to work together for good for? Those that love him. To them that love God. God. Does everybody love God? No, no they don't. There's millions of people on the planet, billions, that deny God's existence and worship other gods. There's many that believe there is no God, so they certainly don't love him. So is everything going to work out for their good now or in the end? No, it's not. It's not. But when you love God... It gives him access into your affairs to cause even what the enemy meant for destruction and evil. God's so big, he can take that thing and turn it on its head. Did you know that in Christ you've been made more than a conqueror? Did you know that? Did you know that? What, what is that more than a conqueror? Conqueror is good. That means you won. But when you're more than a conqueror, you did more than win. You did more than win. Anybody interested in more than winning? More than winning. My father in the faith, Kenneth E. Hagen, who's in heaven now, was born prematurely. In fact, they went to bury him. This is way back in the day. They went to bury his little tiny body. When he was born, they thought he was still born and dead. And the person that was going to bury him just went out back of the house to bury him and saw, detected a little movement about him and brought him back in and watched him. He was premature and too small and they weren't in the hospital and before the days of the incubators and all these things. 
Well, come to find out he lived, but come to find out he had an incurable blood disease. He had a deformed heart. And uh, doctors said nobody in his condition had ever lived past 16 years of age. And when he was getting close to 16, he became bedfast, paralyzed, going just the way that they said he would. But without going into all his testimony, he, uh, he got a hold of Mark 11, 23 and 24. He said, as a Baptist boy reading Grandma's Methodist Bible, and, and he, he found out that God was real and would heal him. And he reached out to God by faith and was healed by the power of God. And then for the next 60 years, preached faith and healing and redemption. And who knows how many people have been inspired and got faith to be healed. Through his testimony and ministry. That's being more than a conqueror. Not only did he win and not die and was healed. But for decade after decade. The devil's going. Why did I have to pick him? Why did I have to pick him? Why didn't I just pick somebody to put that on. That just lay down and die with it. He wouldn't die. No. He has to tell everybody. How he got healed. And everybody. That God will heal them too. That's making the devil wish. He had never messed with you. Not only winning. But making him eat it. For the next 60 years. Come on. Am I talking to somebody? Somebody say. I am. More than a conqueror. See the Bible said count it all joy when you fall into divers trials and temptations. How could you? How could you count it all joy when a problem hits you? When a test and a trial hits you? It went on to say, let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and entire wanting Nothing. You can see by faith, even though I'm not having fun right now, when the dust clears, I'm going to be standing here with my miracle. Hallelujah. And the worst the devil tries to come against you, you just say, hey, bud, make it light on yourself because I'm going to make you eat this. The worse it is, the bigger the testimony. The Come on. Because I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to lay down and die with this. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to quit. <laughs> Somebody say more than a conqueror. More than a conqueror. Well the chief prerequisite. For everything turning out good in the end. Is what? You love God. Hallelujah. Go to 1 Corinthians 8. 1 Corinthians 8, 2. It says, if any man think that he knows anything, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know. The scripture says also that, well, well go to the next verse, the next verse. But if any man love God, the same is known of him. 
He's talking about knowledge. We live in the so-called information age. And knowledge is held in the highest esteem. Information. Have you noticed everybody wants your information? Is that right? Information. And we've got information overload. Type something in your search engine and get three million hits. And if you're not smart, you'll try to go through all of them. (laughs) You know, there's a better way to live than the tedious, never-ending process of elimination. It's called being led by the Spirit. Huh? 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 Instead of doing endless research and process of elimination for days and weeks, you could have spent a hundredth of that time praying in the Spirit. Waiting on the Lord and the one, the only one you need to know about, just come up out of your spirit to your mind. Don't be led by likes or dislikes. Don't be led by approvals or disapprovals or stars or lack of stars. You're letting somebody else make your decision. You're letting somebody else lead you. And then if you get into it and it's a big mess, you want to get mad at them. Well, don't get mad at them. You could have prayed. You could have heard from the Lord for yourself. You could have been led by the Spirit. True or not true? Let's watch about this information age. Wasting all of our time trying to process all of this information. Most of this you don't need to know. And you'd be better off not fooling with. And not knowing it's just going to clutter you up. And rob you of your peace. And your joy. Selah. Think about that. But what did it say? Read it again. If any man think he knows anything, it's not, everything is not about what you know. And when it comes to religion, the emphasis is on knowing all these things about God. But you and I will never be able to impress God with how much we know about him. I'm not knocking education. But having a lot of years of higher education is not the same as loving God. If any man think he knows anything, I don't care what you think you know. You could be doctor of doctors. You could be the foremost authority on this in the world. That's not going to cause God to look at you and go, whoo, ain't you smart. (laughs) Because compared to what he knows about it. You are Ned in the first reader. I don't care. I'm telling you, if you are considered the genius on the planet, the foremost authority, how many think if you were the foremost authority, God could still tell you a thing or two about it? Oh, he'd talk to you for five minutes and you could, you'd go, I don't know anything about this. 
You don't know anything as you ought to know it. And so we, we must not think it's our superior knowledge that's going to fix everything. Are there many in this world that think that? They think that. They're convinced of that. Knowledge is everything. If you know enough, it's not true. What's the big deal with God? Verse 3. But knowledge is not going to do it. Knowledge is not going to put you on God's radar, so to speak. It's not going to make him take note of you. How much you think you know. But if anybody, any man love God, you got his attention. If you love him, that same one that loves him is known of him. Now, you might say, well, doesn't God know everybody? Not in this sense. He does not know everybody in this sense. What do you mean? Remember Jesus said he would say to some people, depart from me. I never knew you. This is experiencing him like Adam knew his wife Eve. This is intimacy with God, experiencing him. Who's going to get to experience God? Not just those that think they know a lot about him. Those who what? Who love him. In John 14, notice this. 14th chapter of John, 21st verse. In fact, if you're interested in this, this entire 14th chapter is full of what we're talking about. Jesus said, he that has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me. And he that loves me shall be loved of my father. And here's practically a definition of what it means that God will know him. I will love him and will what? Manifest Manifest myself to him. The complete Jewish says, I will love him and reveal myself to him. The Amplified says it like this I will let myself be clearly seen by him and make myself real to him. God doesn't become more real to you just by accumulating knowledge. And people who don't believe in him, their experience seems to confirm their belief. Because the less you believe in God, the less real he's going to be to you. And that's not going to change until you begin to believe in him and love him more. Not only is God a God who reveals himself, but Isaiah said he's a God who hides himself. I'm convinced if God revealed himself any more than what he's doing right now, there'd be no room for faith. He could easily, easily shake this planet in a way that there wouldn't be one person left by the end of the day that didn't acknowledge that God was real. Mrs. Why didn't he do it? He's purposely not doing it. This is a time, our span of life, is a time when our heart is going to be revealed. Some will choose him and love him. Some will reject him and hate him. And we have a lifetime to demonstrate what our choice is.
And that's going to determine who does what and who is where in the world to come, the scripture says. What we're doing right now is the shortest thing we'll ever do. The briefest thing we'll ever be involved in. But it's going to determine who's in God's family and who's not. Who's with him and part of his kingdom and who is not. If you want to know more about God, you're not waiting on him. We're not waiting on him. He said, draw near unto him. What will happen? He'll respond. He'll draw near to you. You begin to reach out for God and believe in him more and love him more. Immediately, he's going to begin to reveal himself to you. Hallelujah. Because you're hungry for him. You want him. If you don't care, you're not going to get it. Now, uh, go with me to John, please. The uh, fifth chapter. John 5, 39, Jesus said this. Jesus, the Bible said the common people heard him gladly. The farmer, the rancher, the guy on the street, they liked Jesus. The leaders, what we call the leaders of the church, which would have been the leaders of the temple, most of them did not like him. At all. And we're going to get into to why some. He told them. Because they are supposed to be. Doctors. Of the law. That means that be they got their doctorate of divinity. They are supposed to be experts. On the Old Testament. The law and the prophets. And he told them. He said you need to search the scriptures. <laughs> because in them. You think you have eternal life, and they, these scriptures that you're, you know, so big on, are talking about me. They're testifying of me. Verse 40. And you won't come to me that you might have life. Now keep reading. He said, I receive not honor from men. Keep that in mind. What did he say? I don't receive honor from men. Why would he say that in this context? It's going to become plainer as we go. But I know you. That you have not the love of God in you. Now. The complete Jewish says. I know you have no love for God. In you. And many times, you have to look at the context and look at the words used, but many times when it says love of God, it's actually talking about love for God. Now here are the leaders of God's people in the temple and the law, and Jesus is telling them what? They don't love God. He said, "You, you have no love for God in you. This is their life. They go to temple. They read the scriptures. They perform the ordinances. And they don't love God? Jesus said they did. Well, why are they there? If they don't love God, what are they doing? 
Now, refer back to our series recently on not judging. (laughs) Keep that in mind. (laughs) He said, "Uh, I know you. You have no love for God in you. I'm coming my father's name and you don't accept me. If someone else comes in his own name, him you'll accept. How can you believe? How can you trust? You're busy collecting praise from each other instead of seeking praise from God only. Revealing what they loved. You seek after what you love. You give yourself for what you love. What did they love? They loved the praise of men. That's what they loved. Now what does that mean? Go over to the 12th chapter of John. This is um, almost baffling what we're about to read now. We just saw preachers who don't love God. Right? Priests. Jesus said, you don't have love for God in you. So, obviously, you can be very religious and not love God. In the 12th chapter of John, the 42nd verse, he said, Nevertheless, among the chief rulers, chief rulers, these are the head guys, many believed on him. Now, not like you and I might think, What what does this mean? They believed secretly that he is the fulfillment of scriptures. They were knowledgeable of the scriptures. And he fulfilled these prophecies to the letter. And they knew it. And they saw it. And not just a couple of them, many of them believed this is him. He's got to be the one. And yet, what'd they do? Because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him. They would not acknowledge that he was the one. And they dare not say publicly that he's the one, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. Lose their place and their political influence. 43? Why? 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 They didn't love God. What they love more than, than the other things? Praise they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Now, just about anybody would read that and go, that's terrible. <laughs> but have you ever done it? Don't raise your hand. Just, just look straight ahead. Are you sure you've never done it? Now it's quiet. (laughs) Go over to Matthew, please, 23. Matthew 23. Jesus had repeated run-ins with these guys. Didn't he? Repeatedly. I mean, if you you want to see one of the more heated exchanges, read the 8th chapter of John. Just read the whole chapter. And I mean, I, I could almost hear the master Getting irritated. He said. 
If God was your father, you would love me. Because he sent me. He said, you have a devil. He said, if God was your father, they said, of course God's our father. He said, no, you're of your father, the devil. Woo! You tell the heads of the temple, they are of their father, the devil, and they don't love God. And you see why they wanted to kill him. They hated him. But it's because he's not just trying to insult them. He's telling them the truth. Isn't he? They're in these positions. But they don't love God. Read Matthew 23 and 5. Matthew 23 and 5. Jesus is talking about scribes and Pharisees. The scribes are the educated class. Most people in that day couldn't read and write. These guys could read and write. So they could read the scriptures. They were the ones that common people looked to to read the scriptures and explain them to them. He said, all their works they do to be seen of men. They make broad their phylacteries. That was a, a, a thing that was both their borders and on their person that showed how spiritual they're supposed to be. Enlarge the borders of their garments. They love what? What they love? The good rooms. And the good seats. Is this the same as loving God? They love the uppermost room at feast. Why? The important, the head table we'd probably say. They love the head table. And they love the head seat, the chief seats in the synagogues. Now let's just stop right here. People say, yeah, them, them Pharisees, whew, them scribes, whew. Has there ever been a person that quit going to church because somebody got their seat? Surely not. Not in the new covenant. Not in the new covenant. Well, I've been going there for 10 years, 5 years, 12 years. Everybody knows that's my seat. <laughs> and who are they? Them young whippersnappers coming in there, jumping in there. I had to sit four rows back. <laughs> no. I'm just not coming. Well, now see, people don't realize, but they really, their heart has been revealed. If you love God, you're going to be here. If you're out in the parking lot. Come on, are y'all with me? If you love God and you love his things and you want to be a part and you're just glad to be anywhere in his, if you love him, you're going to be here. But if you love that seat, more than you love him, then if you don't have a seat, he's not going to have you. Well, <laughs> what they love? Uppermost rooms at the feast. 
What if they, if they didn't get an invite to the banquet, it's going to be big problems. If they got bumped to a different seat, it's going to be problems. Proving you love the seat. You love the position. You love the prestige. You love the attention. You love the praise of men. That's why a lot of folks have done ministry and church. It had nothing to do with love for God. I know that's a hard truth, but it was true then. It's true now. We don't want to judge anybody but ourselves. Right? And we don't have to examine anybody else. We can examine ourselves. What's my motivation? Why am I doing what I'm doing? And if my motivation really is love for God, then these other things will not cause me to stop. Because I wasn't doing it for that reason to begin with. Oh, come on, friends. Can you see this? Can you see this? They love the uppermost rooms at the feast. They love the chief seats in the synagogues. They love the greetings in the markets and to be called of men, Rabbi. Rabbi. What do they love? Recognition. Titles. Titles. <laughs> I'm going to just, I may step on a few toes, but here we go. We're not big on titles around here. We've had people say, well, what's, what's my job description? Is whatever we want you to do. You are the chief of whatever we want you to do. No, but what's my, what's my, mm-mm. Jesus said, keep, keep reading, keep reading. Jesus said, be not ye called rabbi. Rabbi, that kind of means teacher. Not that you are a teacher, that's your title is teacher. One is your master, even Christ, all ye are brethren. And call no man your father on the earth. That doesn't mean you can't call your, your daddy, your father. We're talking about title. That's talking about if I'm your minister, calling me father. I'm not your spiritual father that you would address me as father. Maybe I led you to the Lord and I'm, I'm a father to you in the faith. That's okay. But you don't come to me and go, father. You only do that to one being. That's the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's talking about titles. Can you see this? And don't be called masters. For one is your master, even Christ. He that's greatest among you will be your servant. Whoever will exalt himself will be abased. And he that humbles himself shall be exalted. I want you to notice Paul. Somebody say, the Apostle Paul. No, I said people say that. (laughs) He did not say that. Paul never used apostle as a title. He said, I am an apostle of the Lord. The use of titles 
The Lord told us don't do it. Am I reading right? Don't call yourself teacher, master, rabbi, father. Prophet so and so. Pastor so and so. There's one great shepherd. Everybody else is under shepherd. You can be a pastor, a prophet, an apostle, but why do you need to use it as a title? See, when you get big on the titles and you start correcting people. No, no, no. You refer to him as apostle so and so. I told you I was wading off into it. You may be an apostle, but the Lord told us don't use these titles because it'll help keep you in reality. Because their whole problem was wanting the acknowledgement of men, wanting the accolades, the praise of men. And he said, you don't even love God. He said, all of you are brothers. Amen. So we can use that one. Brother. Right? Amen. We can be your pastor. We can be a father or a mother in the faith to you. But we're not going to use those titles. We're not going to use those titles and say, you need to refer to me as such and such. Jesus said, don't do it. That's good enough for me. I'm not going to do it. And I know I just plowed some fields crossways. I know that. But uh, before you write any letters to correct me, explain this verse to me that we just read. Right? We don't need a title. We need fruit. I mean, if it's early in your development, it'd be like a pear tree out in the woods. And the leaves are off. And you're not quite developed. You can yell all winter. I'm a pear tree. I'm a pear. I'm telling you, respect me. Respect me. No, you can't call me a scrub bush. No. It's Mr. Pear Tree. Mr. Pear Tree. I am not just a scrub bush. You can wear yourself out for months. Or you can just wait. Till the fruit bearing season. Come on, is that right? And when you got some big old pears there, everybody's gonna know what you are. You can put any kind, my, my, my father in the faith used to say this. He said, You put any kind of label on a can, but it don't put anything in the can. I'd rather have something in the can and no label than a big four color label and nothing in the can. How about you? They love the seats. They love the rooms. They love the titles. They loved the praise of men. And that is not the same as loving God. At all. Go with me. I'm, I'm thinking about closing. To Matthew 19. Matthew 19. Who does God know? Those that love him. Who is he able to get in their life and cause things to work out good for them? Those that love him. There's a list and we could read it off. You know, uh, who has a, a crown laid up for them in glory? Those that love him. I mean, the verses just keep going. 
those that love him. Eye has not seen, neither entered into the heart of man, the things that God has prepared for. Those that love him. Not those that's the big mucky muck and got the fancy robe and the big title and the, huh? And the LLT and DDT and 12 initials after them. I'm not knocking that. But if you don't love God, you're nothing. In the kingdom of God, in the things of God. And on the other side of that, you could not be able to spell your name. And if you love God with all your heart, God's going to be more real to you. Come on, are you listening to me? And if you love him enough to just do whatever he tells you to do, you're going to have miracles in your life. Where some of the folks that think they know so much are not. In Matthew 19, a young man came to Jesus one day. And he was a wealthy young man. And in verse 16. He said to him, good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? Keep going. He said, why do you call me good? There's none good but one. That is God. Let me just stop right here. Did you know Jesus never in his earthly ministry, he never personally received credit for one healing, for one miracle, for one message, for anything. Not one time. You know what he said every time? The Father. The Father in me. He does the works. The Father gave it to me. I just do what I see the Father do. I just say what I hear him say. The Father, the Father. He said, I can of my own self do nothing. Didn't he say that? Well, if that was true of the Master... It's true of you. It's true of me. What can I do? Apart from him, nothing. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Keep going. He said, you know, do the commandments. And the young man said, which ones? Jesus said, you'll do no murder. You'll not commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother and love your neighbor as yourself. Young man said, all these things I have kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? Jesus said to him. If you'll be perfect. Now the word perfect means complete. You could also say it like this. If you want to go all the way. <laughs> if you want to go all the way. Go and sell what you have. And give it to the poor. And you'll have treasure in heaven. And come and follow me. And when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Every one of us, in our walk with God, come to junctures where we have the opportunity to go further with him or not. And he said, if you're going to be my disciple... I'm paraphrasing now. It's going to cost you everything. And uh, it's not just about sacrifice. It's about who do you love? And what do you love the most? What was revealed right here? 
Wanting to be righteous is not the same as loving God. Wanting to be good is not the same as loving God. Wanting to miss hell is not the same as loving God. Wanting to have spiritual experiences and see miracles is not the same as loving God. Wanting to know a bunch of scriptures and be able to impress people with your spirituality is not the same as loving God. Can you see this, friends? This young man, apparently a very good, moral young man. A lot of good things about him. And he wants to be completely upright. He wants to be perfect according to God's standard for righteousness. He wants to, and he's thinking he wants to go all the way. The the Lord didn't uh, tell him to come see him about this. He goes to him. He says, what can I do? What can I do? I want to go all the way. The Lord said, you want to go all the way? I want to go all the way. So he put his finger, the father did, because Jesus said, I only say what I hear the father say. That's right. He put his finger on his money and possessions. Yes. Not just because it was money and possessions, but because he had too much of his heart in it. That's it. it meant too much to him. Where your treasure is. Mm-hmm. That's where your heart will be. Look, look at the contrast here. He said uh, in, in Mark about this, he said it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man. And Luke says one that trusts in the riches to enter the kingdom of God. Was the Lord upset about him having the money? No. no. Money's ability. You can do good things with it. You can do bad things with it. Money in and of itself is not good or evil. It's the love of money that's the root of all kinds of evil. And is he telling, is he asking him to take a vow of poverty and never have anything again? He said nothing about that. What if this man, according to the rest of the scriptures, had sown all of this in faith and love? It would have come back to him in this life and in the next. What was the problem? problem wasn't the money. The problem was his heart. He came right up face to face with it. Do I love this more than I love God? And it was ugly, but it was the truth. And and it's easy to sit in the chair and go, I love God, I love God, I love God. But if you're going to follow him, you're going to come up to junctures. Where he's going to deal with you to do something and you're going to come face to face with somebody, something you love too much. You actually love it more than you do him. Nobody wants to admit that. But it's true right and left. And if you love him more, what's going to happen? The other thing's going to go. Is that right? Can't have two masters. 
The other thing's going to go. Here's what's going to happen if you do love him more. Matthew 13, 44. The kingdom of heaven is likened to treasure hid in a field, Jesus said. When a man finds it, he hides it, and for joy, what does he do? For what? For joy, he goes and sells all that he has, and he buys that field. Is he depressed over it? I'd spend all my money. No, he's happy to part with the money because he gets the treasure, the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like to a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who when he found one pearl of great price, he went and did what? Sold all that he had and bought it. If this young man had loved God with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength, when Jesus had told him, you want to go all the way? Here's what you do. Liquidate. Put this into helping poor the poor folks. And you come follow me. He wouldn't have said, do you know how much money I got? You want me to give 15 million? And just walk away from everything. He wouldn't have said that. What that shows. Is you love the money. And the security of it. And you love it too much. What he would have said is. I get to come with you. I get to come with you. Uh, it's going to take me a little while. Jesus can. You're not going to leave without me. Right. I'm, I, 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 I'm going to get on the phone right now. Why? When you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, nothing is too big to ask. Nothing. God asked Abraham for his son, and he said, you want him? You got him. Is that right? What does this mean? It's somebody that loves God. It's sad. Somebody didn't get the acknowledgement in a church or ministry that they thought they should have. And they left. Their heart was revealed. They loved that position more than they loved serving God. Because now they're not serving God and don't have the position either. Is that somebody that loves God? If you let that knock you out of coming to church, then you're revealing you didn't love him. Like you said you did. Because if you did, nothing would keep you from being there. Come on, are y'all with me? If you somebody said a little crossword to you, or, or you know, some people get upset, well, I, can I drink as much as I want to? Can I do this as much as I want to? And I can't, or I can come to that church. Look, if you love God enough, you'd say, hey, if this needs to go, it needs to go, but I'm, I'm serving God. Yeah. Come on, are y'all with me? We've told a few folks here and there, you know, you can't live like that and be on the team. You can't live like that. And if folks say, well, then I ain't coming back. That means you love that more than you love God. It's just a hard, cold, hard fact. Because if you, and, and I'm not just saying that from theory, Phyllis and I, to get as far in the plan of God as we have gotten, we've come up to this, I don't know how many times, Phyllis, two dozen times, major things in our life where you realize, okay, if we want to go all the way, we're going to have to put this back in the back seat, right? And sacrifice this. 
and trust God. We're going to get it more on later on, right? And, and follow him. And when you love him, you'll just keep laying it down, laying it down, setting it aside and saying, Lord, you are all that matters. Hallelujah. Anybody in here love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and all your strength? Stand on your feet and let's tell him. Oh, hallelujah. Go ahead and play, brother. and Just close your eyes and lift up your hands to the Lord. Say out loud, Lord, I love you with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, and all my strength. You love me so much. You gave everything for me. Nothing was too great a price. You gave your life. You gave your blood. You gave me your righteousness and your holiness. Thank you, Father. And because you first loved me, I will love you. We will honor your sacrifice. And we will say, by the grace of God, nothing is too great a price to follow you fully to go all the way with you. Glory to God. Glory to God. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.